Hello, everybody, and welcome to the News Paste podcast. And I'm here with someone who um, I'd consider a friend. We've spoken to each other a fair few times now behind the scenes, and he's a man who's um, looking to do something really productive and really useful that'll be not only useful for me, useful for other people too, but he's also a very nice fella who's got uh, a good mind. His name's John Ferreira, and he's got a couple of projects on the go. And one we're going to talk about in particular today is something that is going to be, like I say, useful for a lot of people on the independent scene. Um, and I really want to know more. It's called Sifter. John, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Um Basically, I'm South African and I've uh, moved to a fair few countries, but I'm a designer probably like 15, 16 years. And um, I find myself now basically uh, building my own kind of company, but it's more impact focused, which means that I'm building something to try and help um, investigative researchers like yourself or specifically journalists, but it's much broader than that. So I'm trying to build something to make it easy to basically find things and actually make sure that investigators get paid as well which is kind of critical, I think. So where, where, where did you um, learn your trade? Because this is very much technological. You're a very technologically savvy fella, aren't you? So so how, how did you like, is it or something that's always been drawn to? Because for me, I, I played consoles, I played computer games, I built a few computers to try and learn how to do it. Um, but at the end of it, now, all I really want is a functional computer to do the things that I do, writing or research, etc. How do you get to a point where you're designing and programming uh, software? Well, the thing is, I got my start in like uh, graphic design. Basically, it's coming out of high school and not knowing what to do. And uh, my story actually goes: I, was, I basically created fraudulent bus passes, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, I could do that." And and then I succeeded, and then everyone had like these free bus passes. I was like, "Well, that's surprisingly that that, that actually worked." So um, from there, I just continued to do graphic design. I didn't actually really like graphic design because everyone has an opinion on it, and it's not really the best. <laughs> And then gradually went into software, which um, I guess people respect you more for. And also I found um, kind of an aptitude in breaking down problems and then creating solutions for things. So I wow. kind of enjoyed it. So you got a bit of training in this or was this just like a hobby craft? Um, initially it was like teaching myself. And then I did a few kind of like short college courses and things because university is not really good for this stuff because um, mm -hmm. it's all practical. So you have to kind of, do enough of it to understand what works and what doesn't. So graphic design, I went to a college called Shillington College. Then I, what did I do? I went to an interactive design college a few years ago in Copenhagen. And then I did like a coding kind of boot camp in Bali of all places. Um, mm -hmm. I guess it's like just trying to build things. I don't know. I guess I'm obsessive about it. When it comes They're to definitely, like definitely two different places, Bali and, and Copenhagen, really, in Denmark. I yeah, mean, so, so you you get you've got to travel around a bit. Uh, I mean, I know I know from my own experience that when you get into sort of like a experience, into just getting your shovel out and and going through the dirt and just getting done what you need done, so you can learn what you need to learn and you become confident in what you need to be confident in. I've I've had that same journey over the past 
three four years with 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 journalism where i've had some really rough rides mm. to get to where i'm going so what made you want to do because what can you explain to people what this project you've got going on is um sifter mm. well i don't know i think it was like when i was living in london uh, for whatever reason instead of not i'm a very very curious person i like to understand functionally how everything works there's a few topics i just said okay it's too big or something like this but then it became really obvious to me uh, the lies that were basically told to such an epic extent that I was like, right, okay, this is an apparent lie. I'm going to go and try and figure out what's going on here. And when you start doing that and you just open the veil effectively going, geez, the propaganda is just immense and mon just momentous, just, just huge. So I was like, okay. That was the beginning of understanding the problem. And then when I was in Copenhagen, I started actually through that interaction design school, actually building a project um, to try and understand the problem and then think of the various solutions for it. This is actually my second time trying to do this. The first time, um, basically I realized you can't, you can't stop propaganda, obviously. And um, the premise was like to try and instigate critical thinking in individuals, which now I think even a little bit differently, which is that's kind of an uphill battle you need to try a different approach. So my current approach is assist those that do a phenomenal job of actually digging up, I wouldn't call dirt, but like those that actually find source information that proves what's going on or helps us understand it. So that's kind of the starting point of everything I'm doing right now. It's really, uh, really interesting because when I, I'm, I, I mean, this can be hard to explain maybe, but uh, maybe be easy. For, for me, sure. I'm out there trying to um, dig up information uh, about people and find the information. I'm doing it for a reason. And it sounds like you're doing it for the same reason, but you have to go via a proxy um, of mm. focus, a more focused proxy rather than just everybody, because uh, it's people like me who then uh, reach a certain area of people. And then those people then disseminate that information further down and that's the way we've got to do it nowadays because there's something i mean obviously that's uh, opposing your your idea of saying you know um you you can't you can't change everybody's way of thinking you can only you should focus in the bits where you really 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 are important um that's going to change things fundamentally and I don't think people really understand that because you just can't scream into the wind all the time. I've tried screaming into the wind myself. So you've got to find your place for me. Not everybody's going to read my work. And the majority I speak to uh, uh, people I speak to in the park go cross-eyed when I start talking about the past, especially when they realize my, like the level of knowledge, they can't even, they can't even commute, you know, communicate with it properly they can't go backwards and forwards have a conversation with me about it because it's just like so much information for the first time um so we're all in this different area and you seem to be in a, a place where it's like people like myself and people who really want to get into independent investigative journalism will really dig this project can you explain what the what what functionally it will be sifter uh, sure. So basically attacking the, the full stack, which means from beginning to end, which sounds ridiculously ambitious, but it can be very simple in the beginning. So research or investigation, at least for me, you can clarify if it's true or not, but I think sourcing information. So basically you have a focus of something you want to investigate, a person, organization, or event, 
something that you think is dubious and you want to source, okay, what exists, you want to dig into what you can find. The next stage is validation. So trying to validate if it was uh, correct or not. Um, in traditional journalism, they say like three references or three sources on something defines it as correct. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but basically the more you have, the better you can anchor in something. The next thing is analysis. So analysis is kind of sense-making. Um, so within SIFTA, it's a visual sense-making tool. So it's like a visual canvas where you plot things and you try and figure them out. The, the best way I try to describe this is if you think of the, the movies, we have a cork board and um, pins and string attaching things. It's literally the digital equivalent of that, except a little bit smarter, which means which, that... Uh, yeah, which means that everybody yeah. will get very excited because that's exactly what you go into investigations for. I mean, everybody wants a wall <laughs> covered in paper and pictures. Yeah. yeah. Smoking heavily just in a dimly lit room, just going, what is the meaning of this? Oh my God, <laughs> you just explained my life. <laughs> that, that seriously is, is what I do. I I look at these things. And this is why this sort of project is like really important to people like me, because I discover that, that um, like clearing off my wall behind me and sticking up a load of uh, cork pins in it and pictures every time I'm doing an investigation when I'm doing four or five investigations at a time uh, at the same time it means it's almost impossible people don't understand the functionality um, of my, my, my like a w work of an independent uh, investigative journalist someone who's actually looking for the truth because what you uh, pointed mm. on there is that you know you can look around and you can see all of this lies and you can't you can't even go into like if you take every source you you end up with just the lie that's being told on the whole that the, the overarching lie that's being pumped through advertising or marketing uh, through their their voices out there and we're looking for the truth and it's really hard to find what the truth is but what we need to do is have a collection of sources and when you said that the you know they, they say that it's free sources uh, uh really kind of mean that you can go forward with an article that's the best way and i agree with that i i really do i think it's just a basic fundamental principle um it was the the i i, I talk about um my first schwab piece trying to find eugene schwab and who klaus schwab's father was i knew that i couldn't just put a sentence here or a sentence there that was said and 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 link it i had to find uh, some uh, like three really special sources that that kind of like the triangulation of fire um and that's what i'm most excited about with this idea of sifter because of course those cork boards get full up and like i say i'm doing i'm doing five uh like i'm researching five areas at the same time and people don't really realize what that means it means you're you're constantly got webs and webs of information going over uh, like sometimes crossing over some sometimes it's hard to work out what splits what connects but everything has its connections i'm in a realm i'm looking into an area as a journalist where i'm saying i want to find out about these people and these people hang around with these people and it doesn't take me long to uh find a connection um between someone like um uh for instance uh jeffrey epstein and george huntington hartford uh, mm. to invest uh, two two people who are 
of separate my investigations at the moment come from separate investigations from two separate time zones but when i do enough investigate and i find a link between the two a direct link which i'll tell people about eventually um and and uh, can, can, that can i ask you a question yeah go on because this is, this is the thing for me because it's actually intangible like i i get that this connection's been made but i think it's one of the hardest things for like everybody else is like as an investigator or a researcher how like when does the strength of connection become apparent like there could be various examples right so like okay, we talk about evidence but i don't think it's evidence i think it's something else that's more probably like instinctual i don't know so we yeah, go, okay no. there's something that's here like what's an example of that for you because i'm very very curious about that as well mm. i i feel i i i feel i i feel it i feel it it didn't start off mm -hmm. like that it started off with me having to investigate the unimportant and the important alike and mm -hmm. waste a load of time all of the time because I could not see what was important. And to see what is important, you 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 usually see it from an individual perspective where you're looking through all your stigmas and your taboos and all of this sort of mm -hmm. stuff and so it means you target people you look at people you yeah yeah focused in on these people it needs to be something bad and it needs to be something over here and then it needs to connect and and you have to kind of just like take in all of the information and get an air of it and mm -hmm. i i do a lot of like taking in loads of information walking around for a while with a dog like leaving it linger in the back of my head. I'm thinking about it, but I'm not completely thinking about it. And at some point, as the more information gets added, at some point, every finger points in a certain direction, and then you get given your direction. Mm. And then you have no say over the rest of it. You, The finger is pointed. You go look there. That opens up something else. It opens up another four or five things. So, for instance, when I talked about there's a link between uh, George Huntington Hartford and Jeffrey Epstein, I discover that link, and I go, oh, that link's fantastic. Now, it's a, it's um. Uh, not a link necessarily of a person though it does include a person in it's a link of um a, a certain uh something a subject about uh a, a property so it's it's depending on how connected it is with what you're investigating is dependent on the importance but everything adds up and everything eventually if you give way to your senses if you start to have confidence that you can be drawn towards answers by going through a process which you trust has because it's it's delivered those answers before then you feel it you feel it things pop up it seems almost like it's like the universe telling you but it's not you started along it, it is and it's not you know i'm a, a spiritual person i believe i believe like a, a lot of things that are, like the people you meet the the trials and tribulations you go through are probably for a reason um i i, I kind of get a feeling that we're simulation of a simulation of a simulation of a simulation a, a billion fold all the way up so in a sense the things that we fight against now becoming a simulation is exactly what we are anyway and then you start to think what what can i have control over and what matters and that's where we all get our own focuses so you're you I mean, we've talked about how, um, off the record, we've talked about how uh, people can become um, 
I get emotionally uh, caught up with all, all sorts of um, stuff that they end up not being able to focus in on anything else but other people's pain. Um, and I think investigating is looking at the information and taking away all of that pain until afterwards, putting it all together. So you you start to as you go through an, a story, you start as you go if you start investigating, you get to a point where you start to feel people's pain and see people's pain uh, in the story in the article, um, and that also leads you in directions because you can see where the emotion and the most reaction is manifesting. It's loads of clues. There's loads of clues that take you to a place, um, but the, these connections that connection of a building between Hunted and Hartford and uh, Epstein also brings up the connection between a load of other things too, to who built the building, um, why it was built, when it was built. And so all of these things, even though they don't seem like important, all become important. So information is about everything. That one strand will connect, exactly. but that one strand is surrounded by a, a thousand more bubbles. And this is where a cork board, a real investigative cork board, has to be limitless. This is why I like the idea of Sifter. Yeah, and, and this is one of the things. So obviously from some of the stuff you've done, which is kind of very timeline-based or looking into the history of people. It's like uh, taking great inspiration to digging into various types of investigations, meaning like um, things that are common. So like the family tree. So who, who is related to who, which is an obvious like starting point to build up this network. Then on who has worked at where with whom, and who's actually just lived in the same area as someone else at the same time. Like one of the things that um, within Sifter that we want to do is basically you, you can drop nodes on a canvas, which means like people, organizations, objects. But there's a visualization view for like timelines and maps that comes free. So if you, everything's an event that links like things together. So if you think like a person emails another person, it's an event. So that would be on a timeline at 6.40 p.m. This person messaged this person. No, no, no. I'm biting my lip. Okay. I'm biting my lip, John. I'm biting my lip. You're having sex with my investigative journalist brain right now. I, I, that, that's naughty. Continue. Sorry. That's that's brilliant because one of the things, one, you know, to find out who's been neighbors with who is a game changer. I really mean it. People don't realize I spent a load of time having to hunt down every single address for every single person and then cross-reference all their neighbors and do all of that stuff. I mean, that is one of the things that blows apart. You're looking for links. That's what you're looking mm -hmm. for. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. You're looking for connections. And then those connections, you can learn more information from studying each individual connection connections and then you find even bigger connections and that's where going back to the start that's how you you find the free sources that that confirm to you that this thing is as it is you know this thing is what and and two of them don't necessarily need to be extremely strong because once you have three there's always one that's stronger than the other two you know there's always sure, one that's sure. the real the real connection so yeah sorry continue I, I i don't know if you can remember where you were there um no no, no I can. so like so one of the things the the connections that you're talking about um, it, during the process of what we're building i came to a realization there's two things that I think are really key to bringing accountability to, let's say, corruption. 
One is transparency, which is what journalism does or investigation does, which is like, okay, bringing up things that prove people are dubious and in effect are doing criminal things, which means by some form of like sovereign law, then people are doing wrong things. Now, the next thing, which I thought was very interesting is actually accountability, which is um, basically the evidence that you you peer together, which actually investigative journalists do, and also say criminal uh, investigators or lawyers use to actually prove um, prove a crime. Um, so the chain of custody of evidence is the same thing that journalists do. So one of like the hopes and dreams of what I want to do is actually build a perfect system for basically researching that has this chain of custody of evidence that then can actually bring accountability if and when uh, you need to. So it means in a given You're sovereign dangerous. state. Dangerous. Yeah. That's dangerous. You, what are you doing there? That's dangerous. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, none of it. That's exactly the point. So um, transparency. So journalism is a great tool of transparency, but then there's another group of people that then can choose to act. But then it also requires a huge amount of effort. So like investigative journalists, it's just, it's a ridiculous workload. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't speak to how much time you have to spend just to go through shitty information, mm-hmm, let alone mm-hmm. stuff that you can find that link. So like people don't realize that. The same thing is actually in accountability. So those that want to bring people to account, they go through all of this evidence to try and prove an illegal argument that um, uh, there's a wrong that is legally persecutable or however you want to call it, that, uh, that this is criminal. And that's actually really hard as well. Normally that's just shitloads of money if you think about it, right? So it's all these lawyers' hours just going through and going through this information. And normally who's going to pay that? No one's going to pay that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I, I keep keep your train of thought there because um, that is mind blowing in uh, a load of different ways. Because when you're an investigative journalist, to understand what people have done, you have to learn a load about the law. Um, I, I mean, I got uh, medical law and ethics behind me, uh, probably seventh edition and third edition as well, and I got I, I got a few other legal books that help guide my 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 thing. I, of course, online resources. Um, I really it is so very important for anybody to have that. Um, uh, understanding of the law otherwise you do not understand where you stand what you're doing and what is really going on um and and that then allows you to be able to work out what people have actually done and that should be the process that's funded in some sense to allow the legal team as you're saying here to define what is the Lord's break uh, that has been broken? Right. I, I'm going to release um, uh, an article uh, today, which is the second part in the Epstein 101 series. And in it, um, you hear about the uh, grooming um, routine behind the coercion and uh, behind the girls who were brought into the Epstein and Maxwell world and how they had to live. And what you discover is that you can start to break down the statistics. There was two to three girls every single day who were brought um, to his Palm Beach property to be molested by him. Right. So 
if you were to say that last 10 years which it lasted over 10 years if you were to round it down give a couple give or take take away a little bit for the time that he spent on his planes where he was molesting other girls etc you you could easily definitely definitely come to the conclusion that over 8000 crimes that are prosecutable have happened Eight over 8000 and then when you actually see how many get prosecuted and actually go through the it's like they they count over here and a count over here and 25 counts and we go oh my god he's being indicted on 50 60 70 counts but you're actually talking ranges of thousands of thousands with these sort of conspirators and journalists can find that information describe that information uh present that information put into the public domain and then legal uh teams should be then able to use it and this rings so true to me that they the system is built purposely to stop that from happening to break certain links like that sure yeah they, basically those that have money can defend themselves or what do you call it upper class crime so uh, yeah the interesting thing about this is it also protects the journalists behind it so Part of having a system which has like the chain of custody of evidence. So when someone tries to sue a journalist, which is like uh, one of the threats that stops basically independents doing things is because they always get threatened by lawsuits all the time. I think even yourself is the case, right? So mm -hmm. when people have someone investigate them, they don't like that. So what do they do? They throw the hammer at that person because they have less money. It's a legal hammer that costs money and it's, a, it's a normally a very powerful tool, right? So it yeah. scares most people, but really strong investigators mean, I guess, mentally, uh, uh, they're not they're not really threatened by that. So they don't avoid the topics that will get them sued or something along those lines. And also by helping them prove the evidence in a court of law, then they what can they do? They're going to get sued and they're going to prove that what they were doing was right. Yeah, so it depends on personal strategy. Yeah. It does depend on personal strategy yeah. and level, skill yeah. level. Yeah, totally. And it is definitely it's a huge skill related to all of this. And I'm not going to even pretend to think that I know exactly what all of that skill is. It's like, um, you need to know the law effectively as a journalist. I'm not going to say that everyone does, like even I don't. So it's like, if you're going to do something, you need to really understand if you're protected by it. Like in publishing houses, which or like, um, they, they normally have a legal department or something along the lines that protects them from lawsuits. But to the same extent, they're in these publishing houses that then, what do you call it, tailors the narratives that they can talk about. They have editors that, you know, say you can't talk about this, can't talk about that. So you're protected, but at the same extent, you can't, you know, truly explain what the fuck is going on about things that are dodgy, right? So, mm -hmm. big issue. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, this is this is just common... Uh, commonplace now that we 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 have a lot of people who are very scared, very intimidated um, to uh, by the authorities and by this legal system, and a lot of the legal system is made in a way that is focused on certain things, um, and that's stopping certain information from disseminating into the public. And um, I, I mean, I I find it quite it's it's from my point of view i've taken on some big fish now and uh there's there's like uh i was doing the data diving articles and one um 
a group I came across was Law360. And they're a group of just like loads of solicitors, loads of them. They're just loads of legal people all in one building producing one of the main legal magazines and guides for most solicitors around the country. They're in control of loads of the databases around the place as well. They'll give people like uh, um, uh, Black Cube, as I reported on, access to uh, data from the courts and from the legal records uh, for a, a fee, of course, you know, and they, 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 they make a lot of money and it's a big industry, a big business for them. Um, what justice is not what pays necessarily. It's whatever, you know, it's whatever they, they come out on uh, top with. Um, they want everything legal uh the legal world is as corrupt as the political world and they're almost completely aligned and in bed with each other so uh, journalism also has to act as a separate entity constantly and that's not happening because law 360 itself for instance is a journalistic enterprise as well it's a media enterprise now i've gone up against those guys and i've been like <laughs> i've already got my i already won the battle before i got onto the battlefield because i sealed up exactly what had happened what i'd done was legal made it so that it was it was impossible for them to argue with it and i came in really hard and fast and i i took the mick i took the piss as we say i i i i, I was a bit funny with them because it was so hilarious but i still i went in hard and I, I i said look you guys one of your guys has been leaking all of this information i think that's what had happened one of the the people there had leaked a load of information including a load of personal contracts um or private contracts including ones for black cube which is of course intelligence agency so it was leaked intelligence so it's just so ironic i mean it was hilariously ironic the da data diving series was just irony personified because what people accidentally leak on their computers out there are hilarious it's like people don't realize what's going to be the problem this woman was sharing music so she she didn't mean to be doing what she was doing it just happened that way but these guys shouldn't be they you shouldn't be scared of them i've gone in against uh, uh legal people on a few occasions and their own only as good as the information you've got you know if you've got solid information there's nothing they can do they crumble so this is why this sort of project is massively important so we have more than one side to come at because i'm alone in those situations and a lot of people a lot of journalists won't even go into those situations because it's completely unknown um is there is there is in that respect is there signs uh, is there a, 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 another place that sifter could go eventually about legal stuff is there is there a possibility that is a road well the general the size of this thing because yeah, when i design systems it's not designed specifically by one use case it's, it's a generalistic tool so everything that is research so the legal system also uses research the thing is, like I said, it's mission-based. So it's like the, the whole idea is to assist investigative researchers and journalists with their job. And like, just to go back on the kind of the key problems I see, and you can clarify if it's true, is like one research is incredibly difficult, which means that just finding stuff, uh, sorting through it, um, just the time. The time alone is like ridiculous, let alone finding documents. The cost, so time means money. So it means that you need to get paid for your services and investigative journalism is basically dissipated in the mainstream, but it's, it's more about independence. And then 
you have this legal angle, of course, which we just talked about, which is like um, you, once you start threatening people in some countries, they'll try and off you, if not uh, financially crumble you completely. So like from my perspective, this is where like, I think about things as a problem solution is you can systematically solve a few of these problems just through software, quite honestly, and crowdsourcing, which is other people helping each other. Like, um, so on the financial sense, you can get audiences to pay similar in the Substack model to journalists um, and focusing the attention on research rather than basically writing. So this is also a fundamental issue within um, writing in general, where basically, if you think about it, why do you read something? Because it's attention grabbing, that's an issue. You should be paying, so the, the, the payment metric should be attached directly to what is valuable, and the valuable thing is research. The story itself, yes, it's it's good and it's nice, but the thing that is painful, expensive, and difficult and needs to be funded, audiences need to directly fund that thing. So that's yeah. that's another part of this thing. That's going to be, I mean, that's going to be the key for the future because we're seeing the mainstream media models fall apart and they already knew that this was going to happen. And it while that's been happening, uh, s s some people, uh, <laughs> you know, people use coping mechanisms and that expresses within large entities and organizations. And so some organizations uh, have seen this happen and have invested further in, um, uh, what was his name, Brian Steltz or whatever in CNN or someone like that. And, and it just, it's, they just keep losing uh, ratings. Uh, and other people have worked out that, let's get out of the msm now and get into the independent media game and do what we were doing in the msm in the independent media game so there's this merging happening as well there's this breaking down you're seeing like pieces of the mainstream media uh fall away and turn into um high uh, like, like you know i don't know i think maybe this is i i wonder if this is going to be a gateway but this is more divide and conquer and this is why uh um us in the investigative journalism realm getting our game <laughs> going and getting our act together is really important right now um wow so who would have access to sifter then that's a good question so the general idea is to actually make everybody a researcher which basically means yes. making it incredibly easy to understand, okay, uh, how to research, uh, the methods, the tooling, the education. So people can start investigating things and then basically participating and gathering evidence for the general collective. And I'm saying that, so like to yourself, say you're on the platform as an investigator, you're busy figuring, you know, collecting information, your evidence, and then mapping it. And then when you want to publish, basically one of the key features is to create this kind of new paradigm, which is dynamic visual embeds, which directly relate to your research. So that means that as you build up a mind, like a mind map or a family tree or uh, locations that relate to a particular part of your narrative, your story, you can directly see this dynamic um, visualization from your research inside of your reporting. And it can be on Substack or WordPress also, we're going to have our own publishing side of things. The, the whole point is to make it easier to help audiences actually understand the story. So, like, one thing investigators are good is understanding all of these names of these individuals that exist, but the common person's like, who is that? Unless they repeat it like 10, 20 times, they go like, I don't know who that is. So the idea is in a given article, 
using a, a Chrome extension or an extension of sorts, you'll be able to highlight over people's names and get the full history on that individual that comes directly from the investigator's research. So mm -hmm. it'll be basically fundamentally completely different how you consume information. Wow. That's exactly what uh, we need as well, different ways to consume information because the problem is it's controlled. The The more control we take away from um, what information people can access, the better for everybody. Um, well, uh, you know, someone like me who isn't as computer savvy, I've, I, I mean, I'm, I'm computer savvy to an extent, but uh, someone who isn't as computer as savvy as you, looks at this and says, wow, this is a lot of work. <laughs> this is a lot of work. And you're good. Is there a way? And we, we, we come up with thoughts that, that might not work and might sound completely stupid and completely inane to someone who does your sort of work. So uh, forgive me for my next sentence, uh, if it needs to be forgiven. Um, you, you've, uh you're going to have a centralized website you have this um software is there a way that you, people would be able to not just link but somehow eventually embed part of that investigative software into their own sites that people could use it yeah, on other yeah. people's from the sites? beginning from that the would beginning. that could, so could that that's like yeah, that because I I'd like to have a, an option at the end of an article for people to uh, not only dive deep, but see the connections and go into a world which then they're able to 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 find much more. Go, go on, sorry. So I'll give an example of that. So you're doing your research as you normally do on this invisible digital call board. And say you know there's a particular connection that's important. So say it's three people in one organization. And what you do is you just copy or highlight those nodes and you go create diagram, which will create what's called an iframe, which just basically means a chunk of code which you copy-paste into your publishing platform. And then uh, people will have all of the interactivity that relates to that if they are a paid subscriber to you. So basically, they'll see the diagram, they'll get the value. The whole idea with this is you don't you pay give me a little bit of premium content. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I think this is fine because, like, basically, I think you, you don't want to paywall the articles, you want to paywall the research. Because yeah. uh, how my cognitive thinking is, is like, okay, I got it. This is really interesting. I want to go deeper now. So the deeper thing is, okay, um, well, well, there's deeper, but you have to pay for it and you have to pay. 90% to the person that's actually doing the damn research. So that's where the values are. So that, that's the whole thing. Because it's really, really important to have like a business model in these things and not be taking handouts to try and build something big to actually support those that are doing good work. So it has to be big, unfortunately. Or unfortunately. I, <laughs> I, I, found, I found that um, uh, something recently um, over the past year, I started to write an article and when i wrote the black hand series i also did news hounds that went alongside the black hound uh, black hand series so then i was offering two sets of media and content that were really in depth and i find it so much better to offer two different ways to consume information 
but the more we can add on top the more of course that gives the people option to go really deep and just dive into a swimming pool of stories and that's this is the yeah again that's exactly the type of thing that i want i want people to have the option to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper uh, because that as well it shows the level of evidence um the, it shows the level of information is correct it shows that the overarching story uh doesn't have any holes and i want to only write stuff that later on if everybody looks through and finds something that's wrong we can go let's let's make sure that we we correct the fucking we get everything right we get the story so perfect that these people cannot have any wiggle room anymore and what's really weird is that we're doing the we're doing a very similar game we're playing a very similar game to them we're trying to collate they're trying to collate all the information on us as a society and we're trying to collate as much information on them as a focused danger group (laughs) so we're doing the same thing this is the thing that i realized which when i was like oh my god what's going on here it's like basically what i'm building is an intelligent agency i was like oh no really so what, what does that mean so it's like okay you're trying to bring you know, gather as much information on those that are dubious so it's the same extent it's like the thing is these these already exist so like through our research or user research we're talking to different like uh, people that investigate they really have tools like this you just don't know about it so the, the difference is we're trying to build a tool that has an ethical moral compass at least by the end of me which means that like they intended not to work with law enforcement or intelligent agencies but like the commercial sector under certain like reasonable like, due diligence but specifically definitely to help those that are investigating power so power research which i think is the category so it, it's needed in my opinion and part of it is you need to earn money and you need to not just pay investigators but create more of them so the more investigators that are out there the more terrified they become to be honest because that's when you can start actually doing things about if you don't have that information we don't know what's actually wrong uh, it's also taking the the um, impetus of the collapse in dissipating MSN, collecting it up and f- forming it into something new and true that will stop what they are doing or what they do. Because um, guess that's that's we are coming up to a that's point right. where the battle is obviously uh, raging um, and it's only going to get worse. So we need to be on top of that. And this is the first time in history uh, of... Uh, mainstream media that we've seen such a collapse and i don't think people understand what that means that's going to mean um i suppose uh online media localism of some sort like like community pockets well there's system thinking and then local thinking so system like basically in my perspective you need to create system level solutions that you replicate locally so the idea of this is like, how do you make it really easy for individuals in any given place to, when we're talking about journalism, we could talk about farming, we could talk about any kind of topic, education or anything. So both things are very, very important. Um, I think with the nature of this kind of stuff is actually it's a huge opportunity because truth is one of these funny things, which is like, it's very hard to lie and people to believe, even though they're doing a good job of people believing because they do not want to think about it. The truth is like so much easier because you don't have to, it like you will find eventually things that back up if it is truthful. Uh, 
So it's it's an easier game for us than it is for those that are trying to lie about stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like a system level tool like this will terrify the living shit out of them because there's a systematic way for not just you, but also your audience to participate in your investigations by bringing evidence. And you, like basically they can see your, your, your research and they can research themselves and then add, suggest and add things to you. So this is one of the things I've noticed, but it's, it's a collective like node network. So it's not just like one isolated profile. Basically the idea is to have a public level nodes, which means that as researchers collaborate, they can start to join their research together. And then through this, we can have a much stronger effect of actually understanding the bigger picture. To be honest, it's even amazing that like individuals like yourself can collect so much information and figure out things. Now imagine the, the crowdsource potential of a bunch of people doing that. Yeah. In a structure, in a structure, because as you know, like it takes years of understanding, like through what you said, of figuring out what is useful, what is impactful, what is likely to be dubious because of your experience. That's one of the big problems as well. It's, it's basically, I think, what do you call it? The older investigators that are good at understanding what these things. Actually, I'd like to know what you think about that because this is just my general perspective. Well, I, this is, there is, um, oh man, the old school generation. I don't know what I am because I don't <laughs> think there's many people who uh, are, are doing what I'm doing anymore because they kind of, they got, they got mm -hmm. pushed out. Every now and again, I come across an article, an amazing, beautifully written article um, of the past that is, or, or, you know, there are, there are still one mm. or two, of course, I'm 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 sounding I'm sounding a bit pompous and I don't want to sound pompous and I don't want to sound don't like I'm blowing my own trumpet but but I am an independent investigative journalist who's writing really long form sourced articles well mm -hmm. kind of long form in, in and there's not so many people doing that most of the people are driven to go to the areas where they think the story is currently and that is never where the story is and that one thing i learned very quickly and that deletes Excellent. about 99 percent of the noise so that's a good tip for anybody your you, you the focus of your journalism is it, it becomes um uh, or, or the the impact of your journalism becomes much better once your focus is on a period that created the problem we got now rather than what the problem is now because screaming at the the thing that's happening is the problem we've got now <laughs> that's the main thing the majority of people just going oh my god Look at this. It's obvious, isn't it obvious? 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 And, you know, there's got to be a point where we go, okay, yeah, but why? Why? Let's go back a little bit and then let's see totally. where we can unpin that and where we can start to pull that away. Um, I, I, I can't remember what the question you, you asked me there was um because I got so many things in my mind about this right now. I got so many different... Because uh, this is, I try and incorporate people into my research. And when people are really interested, and people do come to me, and I insist people should come to me and say, uh, you know, how can I help you? And I say to them, oh, well, I'm doing this over here or this over here. And you have to build up trust with people over a certain amount of time. And a centralized um, a place uh, for people to go, which is 
is much easier to cross over that boundary, but we still need to be able to make connections. So are are people Mm. who use SIFT are going to be able to connect with each other and start working together really well and really easily within the system? Well, this is like, what do you call it? With software, you start as like something that's broken. But the, the vision or the idea of what it's to make it easy to collaborate, but there's some actual fundamental, I'd say, I don't know, psychological or cultural issues, which I'm sure you know about, which is uh, like even mainstream journalism, people fighting over like a scoop or something like this versus difference of opinion. So one of the things I want to try and do outside of software, which is like actually in service design, which is like trying to help people or foster or even economically incentivized collective investigation. So you're incentivized to work with each other in the collective, regardless of your difference of opinion. Because um, I strongly believe in incentivizing and de-incentivizing people because it's basically how we do everything in life. So the general idea is to create, like, as an example, you're an individual researcher and then you'll have like a collective of some description. Let's say you have a few researchers on a given topic because there's a few experts each of them has their own data de- database of trove of data on their computer. You could all collectively have um, access to it. Indexed and um, OCR, which means you can research or you could search any documents on each of these guys' machines. Now, outside of that, you have a bigger picture, which is kind of like um, the public one. The public one for me is like any public node, which is kind of like Wikipedia in a sense, but less corrupt, um, to, um, to have validated information at that level. So at that stage, we have to try and work out the mechanics of like directly linking um, some kind of mechanism to try and prove that something is. So you can't use another news article as a reference like Wikipedia, which is unacceptable referencing in my opinion, mm-hmm. and let alone the curation, which is incredibly biased. So you have to design these things in the system to prevent against bad actors. That's one of the things I always like scream about, which is this concept of bad actor, which is there are people out there that have agendas trying to push things. And whenever we design or do things, for some reason, everyone pretends that they don't exist, but obviously they do exist because they, they're just not um, screaming out loud what they're doing. I, I don't know. These days they're getting a bit about a bit screamy about things, but yeah. Yeah. Bad actors. There is something you said there, which really, um, cause I mean, you have to source all of this. You have to get create, you have to create a, a massive network. And of course, something like Wikipedia is a beast. I don't think people realize how much of a beast it is and how cleverly it is wielded and manipulated. Um, and I spent a lot of my early part of, um, my journalism was finding stories hidden in the deleted history of Wikipedia. So oh, in the nice. edits, yeah, well, it was, it, it, it seems so obvious. I, and no one else was hanging around there either. It just seemed like it was, and I, I went into a different world. I went into a different world. I found some really interesting people. I found some really interesting topics. It started, I had my interest had been peaked when I was looking into Theresa May's father and discovered that in the archives he once had a um a wikipedia page and then it was deleted 
and I couldn't understand why it was deleted. So I I went and looked at it, and then I was looking at the history of it and uh, related pages. And then before you knew it, I had marked up that he had worked in a certain hospital uh, certain years, and I went there, and it was the place where John Bodkin, Bodkin Adams, a famous serial killer, was murdering his patients. And he was the main chaplain. Theresa May's father was the main chaplain of the hospital, Eastbourne Hospital. And so uh, John Bodkin Adams killed over 130 people um, uh, from giving them injections. They, uh, nearly, I think every single one of them, uh, of those 130 plus, was signed, signed him as the main benefactor to his will or into his will, into their will somehow. So basically 130 odd people gave money to him and then died of, injection when some of them were quite fit and healthy one was a young actress caused a lot of uh, controversy and he was protected by a guy called lord gwyn and all of this well i wouldn't have found any of this story if it wasn't for wikipedia hiding this story and i had come across a bit of this before and i'd seen like anomalies within deleted histories on pages and then i investigated those anomalies and gone oh this is really interesting i'm really interested in what's going on here let's find out more <clears throat> and um uh, what I discovered is a whole world and a whole load of manipulators on Wikipedia doing full-time work, what can only be classed as full-time work behind the scenes to uh, manufacture and mollycoddle the information to be exactly what they want. And so their agenda and not anybody else's and truth is on the back burner with these guys. And one of the most interesting people I found on there, and I'll just say this as a note to this, subject was guy called i couldn't work it out oh man this is okay you want you want um investigative weird investigative cup drop moment yeah i was i i had looked through all of these pages and the same username kept coming up over and over again and it didn't seem to be a bot it was a person and he was constantly uh manicuring uh mainly british conservative party topics including everything from margaret thatcher and and uh, uh, you know but also the riots um in the 80s over coal and other stuff and and lots Lots of oh, just everything, everything. Even Tony Blair, all of the the the, the gang were there uh, in his in his notes, and his his uh, username was Nev Selbert. And I was like, I I was for ages. I was trying to work out, and I think I worked out eventually who he is, where he is. I think he's in a, a place near Ludlow in uh, Herefordshire, and I won't say his his name out loud. Um, but I I you know I I thought I'll keep an eye on him now for a long time because I've got no. He just seems to be the person who's curating and manipulating nearly all of the information about this uh, these subjects and pulling out all of the things out of history that are uncomfortable. The facts that lead you to other conclusions. He's the guy so, who does that. So here's an example for me in my mind with this stuff is, okay, you have a dodgy individual who's doing this and it seems agenda-based. Now, to try and get an evidence thread together around, say, what the agenda is, let's say there's other factors, like another individual that's like coaxing him or maybe an organization. He's basically employed to do this. So like, this is the whole point is like trying to find more links and tangents to prove these dodgy fellows are doing these different things. But like one of the things in the, the sifter thing, by the way, is um, 
trying to make it really easy to kind of store pseudonyms of a person. So all the name combinations. And well, then wait, you, wait, and wait. Then wait. Let, let, as well. let, let me tell you, let me tell you something. That Nev Salbert, the cup dropping moment, the cup dropping moment is, is sitting there behind a reception desk in a travel lodge while I was working in the travel lodge and writing down Nev Salbert and then doing anagrams of it and all, and then just reversing it and going, oh, wow. oh treble seven. And that's what it was, treble seven. Now, what What's does that, that mean? That's some freaky shit. I don't know, treble seven. I think it's, uh, it, I mean, you got uh, man is five and the devil is six. What, what is seven? <laughs> uh, there's all sorts of different there's all sorts of different ideas of what travel seven actually means i could actually go and look online now and see but i think uh, i think i'll leave other people do that for themselves they can be at home putting in what travel seven actually means um it's it's a weird world out there where there's loads of manipulators and at the same time you're centralizing you're allowing people to decentralize and to communicate within amongst themselves and that's really massively important for that information um to to get out what do you think are the most important things you want to see come from this do you want to see this develop into a different direction have you got like a bigger idea behind this again well the, the whole thing is huge basically i want to disrupt how uh, lots of things but one of the big ones is how publishing is now so i want to create a future world where it's going to be not acceptable to publish information about everyone because those that are doing it are proving themselves, which also means they're getting paid for it. So anyone that's just publishing stuff, there'll be a paradigm of like people just going like, well, we can't trust that because there's this mechanism now that exists, which um, allows us to understand stuff a little bit better. Let's say it's not completely because agenda is like abstract. But, um, that has we, questions. We can, we can, that has questions yeah. attached to it. That has big questions attached to it because that means that some people. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, they, they, you can have uh, a a million people who say the wrong thing, and one of them who says the right thing by accident, and that can change the world. You know, is that right or is that wrong? Is that nonsense right. or is that? Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I it, it's, it's so noisy, it's so hard to understand. I understand what you're, totally. you're, you're saying, but it's so hard to understand what this whole uh world is going to look like and whether we create the same thing as they create by being in conflict with them and we're going to a point where we can uh we will work together won't we become the structure <laughs> well we become the well, overarching structure well yeah of course of course so you have to design against it in the sense of being aware of it but understanding that you're not like this is the whole thing with idol, uh, idolistic nature, which is like it's good for benefit for change, but it, it still doesn't take into account bad actors, which could be yourselves. Which is like, how do you take down your own system? Well, power corrupts, right? So you have to design for mechanisms that would uh, prevent against that. So better sooner than later. But I always say like focus on the problems in front of you instead of the ones that are far ahead, because there's a million problems that don't exist until they actually you know arise because it's it's huge and it's insurmountable so but yeah you definitely have to consider of like creating another system which has its weaknesses but that's to be honest that all systems have weaknesses so it's normal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
there's a couple of there's a couple of of, of uh, questions rolling up towards what is near the end, and there is a couple of questions that I, I definitely have. I know that there's the um, uh, like a, 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 a earlier version of what this it can be is going to be mm-hmm. bigger. Is there a way of using the information in the brain? Have you, you, cause that's like, uh, I know uh, Richard Grove of, uh, Grand Theft World and others often use the brain and a lot of other people use that. Is there a way of incorporating all of that information into this, uh, easily into this system? Uh, well, the thing is like, like I, I, I've seen the software and I think it is actually useful in the sense of like conceptual, but I think it will be different. So. I don't know. I have to look into each, like how you design stuff is like, okay, um, what is needed the most from the majority when you're designing something? So it'd be like a backlog feature. So like, what can you export out the brain to? What kind of format? And then how can you integrate that into what we're doing? If it's a large enough. Because I, I think, I think, I think uh, Grove would say that it's also, is clunky like the brain is a clunky sort of built in the past very clever for for what has been built but it's mainly the information that is such a massively well-sourced pool of information there as well mm. well to be to be honest i'd have to look into the the exact specific nature of how that works and then how you would do the opposite to like bring it into something mm-hmm. so it's too hard to say you literally need to analyze it understand it yeah. and then i could probably answer to that so we're what also can... doing something completely different. So yeah, it, it might be a paradigm shift. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's just a, it's just a question because it's about this idea sure, sure. of information, and and already having like trusted sources for information is a really difficult thing. We're living in a world where everything has been manipulated and and cajoled. We've been cajoled. Oh, I hate all this cajoling. Um. So right, there's some other things. What 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 is it that this uh, apart from like you know what what's driving you for this? What why why do you want to get uh, this sort of system in place? Because this sounds like a wonderful thing for someone like me. Um, where does it where does it come from? A developer side? Is it just from the fact of looking at the the world being so false? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Um... Deep-seated anger inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. <laughs> and it's incredibly motivating to do something. So I don't know. Like um, I believe every person has something to offer and give, and it's different. In my case, I'm good at understanding problems, very, very complex problems, and on the turn side of that, actually creating solutions for them. So I can see there's a problem, and people aren't realizing. Like age is bad, maybe. I know people are realizing but then also how to design solutions for them because this is actually a technical solution in a sense. And also, so it's like basically these two things put together going like I have to do something about it. And it's not easy. It's very difficult also because we live in a world where when you build businesses, everything's capitalistic and you're trying to build exit business. That's completely retarded. You're you're trying to build something that you're going to sell on to the same corporate system that is going to just take it and then do something. Yeah. So the, the financial mechanisms themselves uh, building people to build businesses that then they don't own. So you have to even figure out ways to try and mitigate that. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's insurmountable, but um, 
don't know, gradually getting there. So like what I'm with, designing and developing everything myself now, which means I move it forward. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the way? <laughs> that's that's yeah. I find I find that uh, I really need to get people to work along with me, but I like finding how it's about them the, themselves finding where they fit into this area, and that's quite a hard thing to work out. How do you feel like uh, talking about fitting into an area? How do you feel about things like you know? Uh, What's is Silicon Valley AI stuff? What's <laughs> happening in the world? How do you feel about all of that? Uh, well, I think Silicon Valley obviously has a history within the intelligence services, so you have to be very wary of it. Um, at the same extent, when it comes to actually building, I, I see the world in two ways. One is the dubious nature behind things, and then a more softer, beneficial, normal thing. So, in a normal thing, as an example, like YC. They have a lot of really good advice for how to do things. And it's literally good advice. So what do you do with that? Like you have to split the world between, okay, who are the dubious actors? Again, bad actors. And then what is useful? Um, so like on the Silicon Valley side of things, I don't know. Like I think you just need to be very, very careful a little bit. So um, I don't know. I have a lot of startup friends that are doing different things. I'm just basically not unaware. They're unaware about these things because they're trying to change the world from limited knowledge that they have so they're not aware of it like as an example one of the things i have concern is like investors right so investors who are these people um what are their agendas what are the potential future agendas this is a big issue so you just need to try and be well researched i do think i do think that uh human nature will win out most times uh, that the so. <laughs> corrupt systems uh, tend to expose themselves eventually um, very efficiently and collapse in on themselves. That's something that I've seen over and over again, um, or at least we've seen over and over again. And I'm not claiming to have been the only one to see it for you. Definitely not. It's mm-hmm. happening all around us all of the time. Um, and you know, negativity tends to eat itself. That's that's something else I really do believe. It's why I think we always keep on to this sort of balance between good and bad happening all around. It just happens sort of naturally when these fightbacks happen normally. But how do you but, see what's mm-hmm. going on? It what 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 do you think is going on in the world of AI? Well, to be honest, I, I can't really speak to it. Like, I'm even potentially using these things to actually solve problems myself. So, again, is that two? two I, I think most hand. people are. What, I think most people are. My, yeah. my, every it's, every night, yeah. I hear my buddy uh, listening to um, AI Biden and AI Trump and AI Obama playing poker together or some stuff like that. You know, it's 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 becoming something that's all around us. It's gonna be it's gonna be even more so. So I can understand it and there are benefits to having simple tasks run or complicated tasks run in a simple way for us i don't know the answer is it's it's useful but all technology has a history of power using it to oppress people so you need to be aware of it bad actors again saying that we're actually integrating um we're creating actually something crazy powerful in the next week, which we're going to launch, which uh, I'll send to you to use. I don't want to say too much about it because it's actually um, super, super useful, which might be a little bit groundbreaking. So it has the AI elements of these things. Um, 
again, it's like there's a concept within design called like ethical design, which no surprises there. It just means designers considering is this right or wrong. Again, the problem is if you're not the owner of a business, it doesn't matter about your ethics because the owner is going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. So you need to be a designer owner, which is like very rare and far, uh, uh, you know, it just doesn't exist. So it's like in the ethical case of say like AI, what does it mean? So you have a tool which is basically collecting a bunch of information and spitting out uh, what it thinks and it has all these filters on top of it. The filters are biased, very, very biased. Yeah. So if you're not a critically thinking individual, you wouldn't realize that it's, it's being biased. It also outright lies and it pretends with the, the greatest grace I've ever seen before of like being friendly about it, which is, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And it's completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah. You, he said that to me when he told me I wasn't a Pulitzer Prize winner. After telling me I was a Pulitzer <laughs> Prize winner, I said I wasn't. And he said, oh, very sorry. I made that mistake. Let me stroke you a little bit and give you a little bit of a rub on the confidence. And then now you trust me a little bit more and we love each other. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, it's, this is what's called like a behavioral economics. So it's like incentivizing various behaviors. So the powers that be marketing for the longest period of time have a very good understanding. I'd say not a perfect, but a very good understanding of how humans work and they use it against people in collectives. So this is another example of them understanding how people um, think and feel and they're manipulating that so that you're, you're, you're likely to buy into it. Saying this, I think it's potentially actually something that's incredibly dangerous in the sense of agenda, meaning like, uh, again, propaganda in uh, really consolidating how people consume because each technology changes the paradigm of what we do. So before we would write articles, now AI is going to write articles for people and that writer is going to have a level of bias that's hidden that the writer themselves would not even realize. So they don't even need the editor now, the AI is doing that. That's just one small example of what this is doing. And it's in every single field in the world. So there's mm-hmm. never been something such as this before. The internet before when it first arrived was a bunch of people just saying stuff. And then they gradually clamped down and then created filters on top of it. Now the filters on top of AI, which is everyone that's you know, using it. So yeah. the thing is, it's critical thinking. People just need to be critical of it. The reality is we're not really taught this in schools. So that's, the, that's where you need it. Well, for some reason, you're critical. Um, some people are for some reason. <laughs> yeah, isn't it so? Isn't it so? You get. Yeah. You, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm I, I think there's. We, we're all built to have a bit of a place in this world. I don't know how that happens so or how it manifests, but we all have our place in the world. So the people who aren't the most critical thinkers probably have a, a significant role to play in everything mm-hmm. i'm just like mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to see because it just looks like they're munching that's it just looks like they're munching in front of the tv staring off into yeah. the distance and they're, they're looking at themselves in a phone nowadays and they're taking a picture they're putting a filter making them look so... <laughs> do you know if i use any of those bloody filters on any of those uh, uh phones i automatically look like a transsexual i wonder i wonder if that <laughs> that is meant to be even if i put the pony one on it still i look like a transsexual pony it's quite amazing <laughs> 
Maybe it's a missed opportunity that you didn't realize. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not too confused about that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, rocking around in short shorts like I'm doing right now, but not make them short, short shorts. Ooh. Listen, thanks for nice. for coming and speaking to me. And what, where, so, so, where can people go for Sifter? When's the 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 like? Um, the process of of getting it out there what's the timeline of this so we, we basically launched the beta like last month which means broken software so you can uh, collect information and map it onto a canvas it's kind of hard to explain uh, now but it has some little bits and pieces that makes it easier we're launching probably next week um a Chrome extension, which will be insanely powerful, not just for research, but for everything. So mm. look out for that. And we'll probably be sending out an email of exactly what that thing is uh, from sifter.news, which is the website. So if you just mm -hmm. subscribe to the email, and I think we have a site tree as well, which is the best way to get all the links, but God, I, I can't remember that. Link.ee, sifter, news, no spaces. That has all the links. So that's awesome. the most useful place for everything. God, this is getting so yours. I'm really excited to find out about this Chrome extension that uh, feeds you hot chocolate while you uh, and marshmallows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, that, I'll, that. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being on with me, and uh, and uh, all my love. Cheers. Cheers.